coming up on Philosophy Talk. You are being watched. The government has a secret system, a machine that spies on you every hour of every day. I know because I built it. Get ready, the day is coming. First it was your phone and watch. Next will come your car, then your television, your refrigerator, your whole house. All wired to the internet, monitoring your every move. So they are spying on us. This is all classified. What did you do? Did you put in a back door and route it through GCHQ? I mean, you do CCTV, you do traffic cams. What don't you have your nose? Look, what will privacy even mean when every device we own and operate is collecting reams of data on us to share via the internet with corporations and the government? The Internet of Things. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. If you like Philosophy Talk, you might also enjoy podcasts from our friends at the IAI, the Institute of Art and Ideas. Check them out at IAI.tv. What will life be like when every road you travel, every device you own, every building you enter is connected to the internet? Will it transform our world and allow us to lead richer lives? Or just give governments and hackers and corporations more chances to spy on us? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Ah, except your intelligence. I'm Ken Taylor. And I'm Josh Landy. We are here at the studios of KLW San Francisco. We're continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus where I teach philosophy and Josh directs the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. And this week, our conversation is about the Internet of Things. So, Ken, what's the big deal about this Internet of Things? I mean, it's just a bunch of appliances and devices and other stuff hooked up to the Internet, right? I mean, I mean the Internet's been around for decades. Well, true, but we're talking about a sea change in the digital landscape, Josh. I mean, to start with the vast number and variety of things that are going to be involved in the Internet of Things. It goes way beyond the usual subjects of, you know, phones, computers, and watches. We're talking cars, refrigerators, actually every system or appliance in every building around the world. And it's not just buildings, it's surfaces, roads, bridges, train tracks, and then monitors like heart monitors, sleep monitors, even baby monitors. You name it, it'll be connected to the internet. You sound pretty excited about all this. Are you, are you so sure it's such a great thing? I think it's an amazing thing. Come on. Billions of smart devices collecting and analyzing reams and reams of data, autonomously sharing it all without any human intervention or decision-making involved. I don't know. That sounds like a dystopia to me. I mean, you really want to build a world like that? Well, you think about it. Think about America's crumbling infrastructure. Our bridges are terrible, right? You know that, right? Well, so imagine smart bridges that constantly monitor their own state and then automatically alert uh, the transportation department when they need repair and they can reroute, shut down the bridge, reroute traffic by signaling all the Internet-enabled cars to go a different way well, while they're waiting to be worked on. That's really cool. Yeah, all right, that is cool. Uh, look, I'm no Luddite. I'm just saying if every device I own, or even devices I don't own, I'm just interacting with, if all those devices are collecting and sharing data on me, all the time, automatically, 
I don't know, man. You sound a little worried. Worried about your privacy, I bet. Yeah. I, I, privacy, sure. And security, too. I mean, this Internet of Things of yours sounds like a hacker's paradise. Well, not if you encrypt everything. Okay, sure. But, look, anything that can be encrypted can be decrypted. Well, yeah, only if you know the encryption key. And the way they do encryption these days, people assure me we live in a hack-proof world. Or we could live in a hack-proof uh, world. Okay, if you say so. But, look, I mean, even if you could encrypt all that data in a hack-proof way... Governments, governments are going to want a backdoor into all this. Uh, those governments love their backdoors. You no, know, no, 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 no doubt they do. But you know what? The thing about government, Josh, ultimately governments are answerable to us, the citizens. And if we don't accept backdoors, well, they can't have their backdoors, no matter what they want. <laughs> I feel like you're being a little overconfident in our powers, uh, citizens can. Plus, plus, look, it's not just the American government. Governments all over the world are going to want backdoors. Well, let them want them. We'll fight back. I mean, a part of the Internet of Things will have to be a worldwide campaign for consumer rights. Yeah, we can't just give our rights away. Okay, let me get this straight. You're imagining spanning the globe with a network of things that collect, store, analyze, and share information on just about everything you and I do, just about everything anyone is doing. Right. And you think governments and bad guys aren't going to figure out ways to get their grubby little hands on all those data? Dream on. Well, look, look, come on. I admit there's a challenge there, but you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. I mean, surely you, you want some of this data to be collected and shared. I, I wear a fitness tracking device everywhere I go. I want medical researchers to have access to the data I generate. I mean, at least if it's depersonalized and aggregated with other people's data, I think that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good thing, but what about your insurance company? You want those guys to have access to that information? Oh, gosh, Josh. Okay, I grant you that's a little bit different. That's a different calculus. Okay, so look, ask yourself this. Who's going to own and control all of the information? I don't think it's going to be you and me, the individual consumers. I think it's going to be the private corporation. But, but Josh... I hate to tell you this. We've already crossed that Rubicon. A huge corporations already track just about every click you make in the, on the current Internet. Right, and that's why a bunch of people have abandoned the Internet for the dark web, you know, that, that, that troubling territory beyond the reach of the, the prying eyes. And I feel, feel like if we push the Internet beyond cyberspace and out into physical space, we're just going to drive more and more people underground. Well, that, that that's pretty hard to deny. I, I, I grant you that. But look, I just don't see much hope of completely stopping, as you seem to want, the growth of either the Internet of Things or of the dark web. But that day's coming, Josh. You may be right. All I'm saying is let, let's, let's slow down a little. Let's take a moment, step back, and think about where all this might be headed before we take the plunge. Well, okay, that's a good idea. We agree. And to help us get started, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Liza Veal, to find out why some people are so excited about the upside potential of the Internet of Things. She files this report. Meet Jeremy, my housemate who loves to be woken up for interviews. What, what are you talking about? Jeremy has chronic and often debilitating painful Lyme disease, so he has a lot of prescriptions. How many pills are we talking about? I don't know, hundreds a week. When his symptoms were really bad, every week he had to sort these hundreds of pills into two organizers. Well, I had to kind of create a whole station of all the different medicines and then kind of like an assembly line, and it was very difficult because my neck was messed up and, and using my arms and the dexterity required in order to place pills into little boxes for 30 minutes uh, made things much more difficult. 
what would end up happening? Like, would you do this every week? No, I would end up not doing it. <laughs> or you would ask me. <laughs> I would ask my housemate or my mom to come do it for me, but then that made me feel bad because it was such a hassle for them to do. So your options were like, continue to impose on other people, injure your neck more, or not take the pills and potentially make the problem worse in unanticipated ways in the future. Yes. Now, imagine an internet-enabled medicine organizer that could do all of this for my housemate. Keep inventory, sort and dispense medicine daily, even record symptoms and side effects as they change. At this point, it's just a fantasy, but so was a watch that counts the calories you burn on your run. An alarm clock that starts your coffee maker. You can voice activate a song to play from speakers in any room in your house. Alexa, play my dance mix. And you can heat up your thermostat using your phone as you drive home from work. Changing set point to 72 degrees. All of these innovations are part of the internet of things. It's like a charm that casts statues to life. Our things are going online. But they still have a lot of growing up to do. They're held back by the artificial intelligence technology inside them. The industry calls this machine learning. Machine learning is a pretty mature technology. This is Mark Jaffe, a technologist and CEO of a company called Allure Securities. It's used today to help us finish our search strings when we're in our browser every day, and it's recommending what I might be looking for, or it's recommending on Spotify the next song I want to listen to or it's helping me to understand that an equipment in my company needs some preventative maintenance. But he says putting sensors and computers in objects is only helpful if the objects can make sense of the information they collect. For example, those traffic prediction signs you see on the freeway, you know, 49 minutes to the bridge, they use some simple machine learning, but soon they'll do more, predict where road maintenance is needed before an emergency repair becomes necessary, and eventually, customized traffic lights in real time. These uh, sensors create enormous volumes of data, massive volumes of data that machine learning is really required to enable those insights because the, the, the volume of data is just daunting um, and overwhelming volumes for human analysis. IoT, as they say, is growing from smart homes to smart cities to help urban systems run better than mere humans can design them. So I think there's lots of uh, great advances that we'll get in our lives with IoT, but only with the application of some of the machine learning technology that's already been applied in other areas. Of course, there is a flip side. The more our world depends on self-governing technology that knows us better than we know ourselves, the more we're at the mercy of those who control that technology. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Liza Veal. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.